The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. My name is Annie. I've struggled with addiction. Since I was 12 years old, I started using and I fell in with the wrong crowd and I fell in to addiction and I had no guidance. My parents weren't around. I ended up getting into a lot of bad situations throughout my teenage years and I decided to that it was time for me to go to treatment. Unfortunately, I went to Florida and in, they have a lot of um, crooked facilities out there and I ended up getting kidnapped for human trafficking out there. We weren't allowed to make eye contact with them. You weren't allowed to speak unless you were spoken to. Um, we got beat up every single day. They also like kept, they uh, injected me with drugs and stuff there. Every Thursday, I had to call my parents. Um, sitting across from him, he um, put it on speakerphone and I had to lie to them and tell them that I was okay and I was in rehab and everything was good. There, I was there for a total of six months. And so while I was there, I completely stopped believing that there was any God because why would God let something like that happen to someone like me? I didn't do it, I haven't done anything to anybody. And so I honestly like stopped believing that there was anything. It was just like, I felt hopeless and defeated. In that situation, um, the girl that I got taken with out of the sober living. It was just me and her. And she ended up taking um, some drugs from the guy and he found out. Pretty much he just tortured both of us. And um, he had me thinking that I was going to die. Like also, he said, you take from me, I take your life. You never bite the hand that feeds you. And they ended up killing her in front of me. That was three months into it and I was there for six months. So after the, that happened and I witnessed that, I would lay there at night and I would just like say, God, watch over me, protect me and keep me safe. I, I really felt like I had nothing like else I could do. Annie is one. She's one of 25 million people and 50,000 in the U.S. alone, mostly women and girls, that will be the victim of human trafficking this year. And just like you saw from her personal story, you weren't watching a movie, but the ways that it can happen are the horrific ways that you see in all of the take-ins and in all the movies, the ones that infuriate you and make you wish you could be a hero and kick in somebody's door. They happen just like that. She was taken. And when you think about where we live, and that this problem has reached even into our world, it don't make you feel very comforting to know that we're right at the little corner where 70 meets 81. But honestly, it can happen 81 feet away from you in the next room through a little something that we love to cherish called a cell phone. I know that if I try to put this out there today and rally us around this idea and get A21, and she's somebody's daughter, hopeful, like, yes, all this awareness and, like, all this help. Like, I know if I try to do that today with those numbers, 25 million people around the world, 50,000 in our country, that's a big number, and it can very easily just go over your head. I promise you today that it will not go over your head as long as you don't allow it to go around your heart. That's where we're going today.
right here. This reality will not go over your head. It'll be very real if you start right here. So when I, when I got to prepare a message like this, this is the second time I've preached this message. Preached it last year in Chambersburg. And so to prepare my heart for this message, I had, to, I had to get my heart ready. I had to make it about the matters of the heart. Like, for example, right now, something that's on our heart as a people in this country is like natural disasters. Pastor Nelson, he's our, he's our Chambersburg pastor. He's got family in Puerto Rico that they were hit by Hurricane Julia. We, we have pastors in our network that are in Florida. They were part of the evacuation. Like, we see, like, that makes us feel connected to something that's happening somewhere else. I saw a story. I saw, I was, when I was researching about the hurricane, I saw a story from 2018 about Hurricane Dorian. And I saw a story about this little boy named Jermaine. He's about nine years old or so. And you know, so you know, at nine years old, really the only money access you have is like birthdays, gifts. You might be mowing a lawn here or there, or doing some things to raise money. But he was saving up his own money for their family's Disney trip. Going to get himself some ears, maybe a little lightsaber. He's saving up his money, right? Adorable. Hurricane Dorian comes through South Carolina. And this kid, he takes all of his own money, goes and buys water, soda, hot dogs, snacks. Himself stands out as people evacuate, just gives away food, snacks. Even prayed with people. Y'all, why do I have a job? I'm... Who is this kid? Like, that's heart. Like, you feel that? Like, that's what I want to show today because that picture is in direct contrast to something that somebody once asked Jesus. Somebody, we're in the book of Luke, okay? You're going to see Luke's research about this man named Jesus. And he records this one time that Jesus was wearing a red polo and some khakis because he was giving the, the, the State Farm sermon. You know what I'm saying? Like, be, be a good neighbor. And as he finishes the State Farm sermon, Jamie from Progressive comes over to him. And, yeah, listen, he comes over to him, and he, he, he wants to basically find out how he can still be qualified as a good neighbor, but how far does he have to go? How, what do I, like, let me show you. And, and this is in Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, he says, but wanting to justify himself. See, he was looking to get out of and not be in trouble. He, he wanted the benefits of God, but he didn't want the expectations that come along with somebody who does have the benefits of God. He said, wanting to justify himself, he asked, um, that's really great. Who does it apply to exactly? Like, who, who is my neighbor? He wasn't looking with the lens like, who gets to be? He was like, how far of a line do I got to draw like a perimeter around myself before I don't have to care? And Jesus, basically, his response to him is like, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking me how far away before I don't have to care when you should be asking how far could I care for someone? You see the difference? And, and, and the reason that I say this is the point because he tells him this story about a dude that, and that street life is rough, about a dude that gets beat up and robbed and, and left for dead, and that the amount of people that pass him before somebody actually does anything. And in the story, he describes that, that several people went past him until a Samaritan came along. 
Now, Jesus was very intentional about this. He could have just said a third. He described each of the people. He said a priest. He said a Levite. These were names that connected to his audience because he knew who he was talking to. And so when he said Samaritan, he was intentional because Samaritan was a racial issue. Because back then and in this this statement right here, this scripture right here, race was one of the reasons you could draw a boundary and say, that's too far, that's not my neighbor. Thank God that doesn't happen anymore. Okay, let me, let me, let me go on. So in verse 33, he, he tells a story. He says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then the man, this one, this letter O word is our word for the day. This letter O word. Then he put him on his own, his own donkey. He put him on his own. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii. Now, this is something really interesting I want you to see here. Two denarii back then was about like a Benjamin. He kept it 100 which means he didn't just take him to the Motel 6, okay? He went a little further. He took him to, like, Holiday Inn Express, you know, like, where they ain't got the best gym, but you'll still get, like, little muffins or some oatmeal in the morning, you know, like, a little continental breakfast. He took care of him, and then he says, and then he says, he took out two denarii, he gave it to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses. If he gets room service, if he pay-per-view super pets, I, I, I will pay for that when I return. He, you see it? He went the distance. He didn't say, how far before I got to stop caring? He said, how far could I actually care for this guy? He went the distance. Today we're talking about human trafficking, you guys. And what I need you to do is we need to think of human trafficking as our project not because I'm trying to dwindle it down into something simple, but you need to think about that as our project so that we have a reason to understand this principle. And the principle is we have to own our neighborhood. We have to own, this guy in the story, he owned his neighborhood. It means we have to define who is our neighbor. And so right away, your mind should go to who actually is your neighbor. You could think right now about who's sitting near you or beside you. You might think about who actually lives beside you and how you like the one who lives on the one side because they have a pool, but you don't like the one who lives on the other side because of everything they always post in their front lawn. All right, but whatever. Address, you're thinking of where you are on your address. That's just the beginning. Address is the beginning. Access is the belonging. You see the difference? Your address is just where you start. You should be neighbors with who is your physical neighbor, but that's just the beginning. Your neighbor is anyone that God would allow you to have access to. Anyone, anywhere on the planet that God would allow you to have, make it capable for you to have access to. Now let me give you a little equation. I want you to think today, I don't want to spill it all out. If you have access to God, do you know who God has access to? 
Now look, I'm not trying to overwhelm your prayer life. That's a lot of people to pray for. What I'm saying is, at any given time, this dude that was traveling on mind his own business, at any given time, anyone in their crisis could be your neighbor. It's, guys, it's really just a, um, it's a perception. It's, it's a shift in your mind. It, it's, it's placing on a, a new pair of Ray-Bans that help you actually see something a little different. It's seeing the situation different. When this guy saw this other dude beat up, he didn't, he didn't see his race because he was a different race. He didn't see his vote. He didn't see his philosophies. He, he didn't see any of that. He saw his problem. And he saw his crisis. That's all he saw. And he immediately said, oh, my gosh, that's my fill in the blank. Poor, come on. That's my, that's my neighbor. Our problem was something like human trafficking. You even heard it in Annie's story. When it happened, she was in Florida. Unless you got relatives there. You probably don't think about Florida unless you're around age 65. Maybe you're thinking about Florida in a whole different way. But your mind's probably not, you're not thinking about that. And you're certainly not thinking about somebody's crisis who's far away from you. And that's part of the problem about human trafficking. And we still feel like it's distant. And so the only way that we could use this as our project today and really understand that we have a hand in making a difference in it is we're going to have to have a perception shift. We're going to have to put it on a different lens about this. I guarantee you that the answer is right in front of your face, but we, we, don't, we don't often see it. When Jesus said he was teaching, love your neighbor as yourself, you know the problem with that scripture? Some of us don't love ourselves very much. Like, some of us would be like, love your neighbor better than you love yourself. Right? That's not okay. So then, okay, then flip it. So then another way to say it would be, love your neighbor as you would one of your own. Because even if we don't love ourselves very much, I love who I love. Don't you touch mine. Don't you come from mine. You want to live? Don't you dare. Right? Like our own. Love your neighbor as you would your own. Love your neighbor as if their crisis was one of your own. So one of the things I love to get in the mail is that little um, coupon booklet. Not the envelope. There's an envelope that's got a ton of them in it, and that overwhelms my heart. But there's one that's a little booklet, and it's got Burger King, Arby's, give me an amen, Subway. It's got all these wonderful, buy this one and I'll give you this one for just two bucks. Like, that's great. Like, so I look at that. Do you know that one of these is always on the back of this thing? I'm gonna show you a picture. This is always on the back of those. And until I was preparing this message, and this one of these was at my house was the first time I actually stopped and said, I, I never pay attention to this. And then the same, same thing happens when I walk through Walmart and I see this. 
And it's right by the bathrooms, which is probably the place I go. Every time I show the woman, I got to pee right away. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm anxious because I don't want to be in Walmart. But it's right there at the bathrooms. And me stopping to take a picture was the first time that I actually paid attention to it. There's 15 kids. This is active right now. This is the current one. There's 15 kids on here. You know what the statistics say? Four to five of them are missing because of or will end up in human trafficking. And so when I hear Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself, see their crisis as if it was one of your own. I I take a blank one just like this. I take a blank one. And for me, because I got to talk about this, for me to truly understand my neighbor's pain, I had to do this. I had to put my little girl in there. What if it were my little girl? She's somebody's daughter. Love your neighbor as if their problem was one of your own. If we own it in our neighborhood, we define our neighborhood that anybody at any given time could be our neighbor, then we can own it with a neighborly heart. That guy stopped because he had a neighborly heart. He said, that's my neighbor. His problem now becomes mine. Jesus, Jesus was sent into our neighborhood. God sent him into our neighborhood. And because he's God, neighborly actually does mean proximity. His world is us. And he sent Jesus into our world, moved into our neighborhood, became all of our neighbor. And again, Luke Luke records this moment when Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's, he's doing his ministry. And he records this moment where Jesus goes in and he wants to let everybody know, guys, it's here. It's about to go down. I've hit the scene. And what he reads is Isaiah. Now, this is Luke capturing it in, in the newer times in real time, but he's reading something old. And it's almost like Jesus walks in, pulls out his phone, and reads his own Instagram bio to everyone to let them know this is why he's here. Because this is what he said, because the scripture in Isaiah was about Jesus before he was born. It was a prophecy. And this is what he reads. This is in Isaiah 61, verse 1. He says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. When he said, I came to free the captives, he meant both, you guys. He meant the literal sense, like Annie. He came to free Annie. And all those like her, anyone in any kind of enslavement, imprisonment, I came to free them. People trapped in dark, I came to free them. But it's more than that. He came to free people from being enslaved from eternal darkness. Meaning, Jesus came into the neighborhood to free the enslaved. This is hard. Hold on. The enslaved and the one enslaving. 
Jesus came to free the prisoners from eternal slavery and darkness. The only reason, you guys, that something like human trafficking exists is because the broken human spiritual sickness of sin exists in all of us. Sin was trafficking all of us to destruction and death. It was trafficking us away from God and into darkness, into eternity without God. Jesus saw us as his neighbor and loved us as one of his own. When Jesus allowed himself to be beaten and buried because he died on that cross that he hung on, when, when he allowed that to happen to him, it was in our place. He took our place. It was supposed to be ours, but he was the substitute. And then a miracle happens. Somebody who I know now believes in miracles is Annie. You saw her confess how she struggled in the beginning. There ain't anything there. There can't be any God there. Until her desperation for freedom pushed her to call out to the God who saves. The miracle that happened is as Jesus walked out of that tomb. He was buried, but days later he would walk out of that tomb. And when he walked out, it was like the same scene that you would see of like some some trafficking task force agent emerging from the underground with a young person in their arms, freeing them from slavery. Jesus walked out of the grave with our freedom in his hands, y'all. He walked out with our freedom out of the grave. You know, that freedom is nothing but a simple yes, I believe. Jesus, I believe that you did that for me that I was enslaved by sin, being trafficked to death, that you died on a cross instead of me, was buried, resurrected. I believe in that. Maybe you've never said that before, that yes to Jesus, I want that, I want you to save me. Do you know that right now is the perfect time to do that if you've never done it? He'll hear you right where you sit, he is with you right where you're watching. And if that is your yes today, please make it today. Get out of the darkness. Please go be free from eternal destruction. It is a yes away right now. Yes, Jesus, I want that. And once you get it, once you get that freedom, there's a power that comes along with it. You know why Annie could tell that horrible story in front of a camera to all of y'all and the thousands watching? Because it ain't got no power over her no more. It used to have power over her, but it's got no power no more. Because the freedom that she has, not only from enslavement, but freedom in Jesus gives her the power over it. Freedom in Jesus gives you power over your captor. Gives you power over the sin that was destroying us. And it gives you the power to be a neighbor. It gives you the power to see any problem in our world within our reach 
and actually do something about it. Because when Jesus finishes teaching that story, when he finishes teaching that story, he makes this point. If you're going to own your neighborhood and own it with a neighborly heart, don't just stop there. Now you need to own it with neighborly power. You have neighborly power. He asks him, he says, look, he's finishing this conversation about this guy asking, who's my neighbor? And after he tells the story, he gives him the pop quiz. And he says this, this is verse 36. He says, now listen, you saw two guys pass by and then one of them stopped, helped him out. Which do you think, come on, this is easy. Which do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jamie from Progressive replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus told him, go and do. Go and do likewise. There's an action with our heart, y'all. There's an action. He said, go and do. This uh, idea of neighborly power, anybody who uh, lives in a neighborhood that has a close neighbor with a snowblower, you, you know what neighborly power is. Oh, you know. Because every other day of the year, your driveway is too small until a blizzard, and then it just keeps growing. So all you need to do is go out at the same time that he's out there and just make one of those ridiculous Facebook videos where people are struggling to shovel, just look, look real pitiful, and he probably, when he's done, five times before you, would be like, hey, need a hand? <laughs> oh, God. This neighborly power. He has the power to see your crisis and come and do something about it. Neighborly power. There's something that we can actually do, you guys, and I'm going to finish on the specifics of how we can apply this freedom in Jesus to this actual problem of human trafficking. Let me start with the parents. Parents, I'm going to read you a headline in just a second. Let it hit your heart. Don't look at that Walmart board the same. Parents, listen, listen to this headline. This is a real headline from a real news publication that is very close to us. Close, proximity, this area, very close. Experts warn of social media dangers after teen becomes victim of human trafficking. Parents, you wanna know what your neighborly power is? Get all up in that phone. Get up in that phone. Who pays the bill? Who's paying the bill? Not as if you need some reason to. You better get in that phone. Don't you let it become some portal where some predator on the other end could do whatever they want with your child. Don't let the world tell them everything without you vetting it. Don't you let this just be some window where anything or anyone can have access to your children. You better grab a hold of that phone. You got every right at any given time to pull them over, confiscate it, arrest them, keep it. Get mad and break it for all I care. I have done that. Can you tell? I have chucked it across the room. 
I'm not encouraging any kind of parental, parental behavior. I'm saying, I'm saying, not my, not because of this specific situation, but because of any of the evils that just lurk on the other end of what's on those stupid things. Yes, they're great. They're very helpful, but they need to be parented. You know I meant stupid things as in the phone, not your children. Because <laughs> I said they need to be parented. All of my kids could not stand our cell phone rules. There was a certain time at night they had to turn it in. You ain't going to be on that thing all night like scrolling. God knows who was talking to you. You see him? You, who are you talking to? What are you looking at? You got every right. Get in that phone, y'all. Don't you let them be kidnapped by some device. Today at the end of service, we're going to give you a QR code. And that QR code is going to take you to some resources for parents. There's a couple things. There's a couple resources here. One of them is to get involved in the events that we're having about raising awareness for human trafficking. One of them is a link for parents for resources to understand this kind of danger, you guys, that you got to get involved in. Protect your, not mine, not my kids. Protect your children. It ain't just about giving your kids pepper spray. My daughter got some pepper spray. You better, you better lay him out. You kick wherever you can kick. You but be preemptive. Fight it in the ways that Satan is sneaky. It's Halloween. We're going to see his face everywhere. And that ain't him. He's right here. He's right here. And he's looking at your children. Telling you right now. The other resource that's there is there's some resources there for anyone who may need help struggling with pornography. I know that pornography is a whole different sermon, so I'm not going down there. I, I want you to see your power, your neighborly power that you have in taking this kind of a stand. Think for a moment about what sex trafficking is. Sex trafficking is somebody profiting off of the sexuality of somebody else. Pornography, watch the parallel. Pornography is somebody profiting off the sexuality of somebody else. You see it? It's like an advertisement. Sometimes the people in pornography are being trafficked right then and there. What I'm saying, this is not a guilt moment at all. I don't want anybody to feel the pain of doing it. I want you to see the power in not doing it. I want you to see this kind of power. This is another headline, y'all. I'm closing with this. This is another headline from, again, watch where it lands. Sex trafficking crackdown leads to Maryland. Do y'all know what state we're in? Do you, know, do you know where you're at? Do you know that you're in the home of the crumpy donut? Like you're in Maryland. Do you know where you're, you're crabs, obey seasoning? You're, Maryland, that's us. But it's not done. Sex trafficking crackdown leads to Maryland, comma, nationwide rescues. The FBI located 84 children, including 37 actively missing in a nationwide sting. In Maryland, 11 trafficking victims were rescued. Don't you want to be a part of that? Come on. That's kicking the door. Psalm 44, my God decrees victories. Somebody help me, please. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of the rescue and not the problem? That's what I want you to see today is you, you don't even have to join the FBI. 
Listen, our, our, the guy that was our lead singer that was, that was leading you when walls come crashing down, he's one of Hub City's finest, man. That's Nick Varner. Shout out to our police. I love him. <laughs> but you ain't got to send him an application to be a part of that. All you need to do is do right with what's right in front of you. I'm going to show you the rest of Annie's story, and I don't want you to miss something very, very important. I want you to watch the turning point. The turning point in her story came when there was a turning point in somebody that was involved. One of the days, um, we were in there uh, in a hotel room, and he had, there was like a guy that wanted to see me. All of the guys that I have ever seen, like never asked if I was okay. They never asked, do you need help? Didn't matter if I had a black eye, if I was like beaten up, they didn't really care. But this guy, came in and it was, he was having like a bachelor party. Like it was, he's about to get married. When he came up, he seen me and the first thing he said was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I just started crying because like, that was the first time I feel like I was treated like a human. And I think I didn't even have to say anything. And he was like, can we get you out of here? I can't really explain the feeling that I got when, when I was out of that hotel room, like something was like pushing me out of that room. And I, I just knew that that was God. I prayed for that, you know what I mean? And, and he got me out of there and he saved my life. And like, I got chill. Like, it was like one of those moments that you really can't explain. And I knew that something like greater than myself got me out of there. I kind of didn't process a lot of that for a few years because it was just too hard to like go into all that. I finally made a decision to come to a long-term treatment center. They look at you as like a person, do you know what I mean? And I decided to come to the treatment center I'm at now. Here, they bring us to church every Sunday. And I felt myself like each week, like feeling more like I belonged, like the music, I like start, like I would get emotional. Like I just felt like the energy in there is, is just, it's powerful and it's real. Since I'm trying to do everything different, I was like, why don't I give my, myself to God? Because I just feel like I'm on the right path since I have been here. I haven't had one thought of getting high. And that is huge for me. And I just feel like he's he's listening and, and everything that's happening. I just, I'm, I, I have faith and I believe now that things are happening the way they're happening for a reason. And today I have six months clean and uh, it's the longest time I've ever had. There is a girl here that um, was also getting baptized and she has, she works here now, and she just told me, like, why not, why not, like, dedicate yourself to someone that's had you your back your whole life? Yeah, it's nerve-wracking, and I didn't want to get up in front of people, but at the end of the day, what's that to being, like, with God for the rest of your life? I was freaking out a little bit, but the pastor said, like, right before he dunked me, he was like, I'm so proud of you, like, I'm so glad you're doing this. When he dunked me and I came up, I just felt like I was, like, <laughs> I don't know, a new person. <laughs> I'm just really proud of myself. Um, I don't know, I've just never felt this good. Um, I'm just a person again, and like I really feel like I can do this. I don't know, I'm just really proud of myself for how far I've came, and I really feel like I have a future today. <laughs> Thank you, Annie. Someone in her story that was at first 
part of the problem. Did you catch that? This person that was interacting with her wasn't <laughs> for her benefit. But somewhere in there, something happened. And they became part of the solution. And the thing that I want you to walk away from that with is if God can even use our offenses, how much more could he do with our obedience? And he said it. Somebody today, you need to hear this. She said, why not? Why not give my all to someone who's had my back this entire time? Today, don't you leave here without saying yes to the belief and the faith in Jesus who's rescued you from the trafficking of sin. I told you, it's just a simple yes. I wanted you to do in that moment if you never had, but if here's your second chance. You say yes, right? And Jesus, I believe. Yes, I want freed like that. And if you say yes, just tell us, okay? There's a QR on your screen. You can scan that. It's going to take you to a form. You can let us know. You can tell anybody that you see. I can, Even if you're new here, I, can, I, I guarantee you, you can pull somebody that they'll be your neighbor. Pull somebody near and say, I did that today. What do I need to do? They will take you to next steps. They will get you connected. They will let you know the right steps to take. One of them may be prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. They're going to be on the sides of the stage here, you guys. Prayer is so important to us. This battle cannot be fought without prayer. Prayer is the only way that we actually have access to any of our neighbors anywhere, the ones that we don't even know. That's how we have access. Maybe you need to pray today. Maybe you want to pray about this. Maybe this has rocked you in some way. I don't know, but they're here. Guys, you have neighborly power. You can actually do something about this specific crisis. You can do something about the spiritual crisis. You can be a spiritual neighbor to somebody. But it's going to take us getting in. Jesus said, go and do. You have to activate that neighborly power that you have from a neighborly heart. Own your neighborhood at any given time. Anybody could be your neighbor. And when we see them in the fire, we got to be willing to get in there with them. Why don't you go ahead and stand? And if that's what you can believe in today, sing that with us. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.